Welcome, Pastor Catherine Ranola. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I do encourage you, if you'd like to join us, I think, Daniel, is it, is it too late? I think it's this, if you register this week, you can still get on the cheap flight deals that they've organized, and there's a fee that you pay that covers everything, all your internal flights, international flights, um, all your food, accommodation, everything. But, yeah, so um, if you'd like to come, Tom and all my three kids are coming, and my nephew and my mother and my stepfather, they're all coming um, because we need as much help as we can get. So you're so welcome if you'd like to join us. It will be a glorious time, and you won't have to run from the secret police. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, it is such a delight. I, we just love coming to Darwin, and it's such a joy to be here. Um, it was interesting. I had time with David and Ruth yesterday. By the way, uh, David's going to be ministering on Friday night at Glory City, Brisbane. Yay, for Glory City, Brisbane. And uh, so we're very, very excited about that. He's very loved. And um, so thank you for sharing him. So that'll be really fun. But um, we are very excited about what the Lord's doing because I was meeting with Dave and Ruth yesterday and we were just having our conversation, which is so lovely. I love being with these two because we spark. It's just start talking and we finish each other's sentences because we, we uh, just... Uh, there's such a, a connection in the Spirit. But we were talking about the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit's being poured out all over uh, the place and uh, in all different churches around the network, how people are being spontaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking with new tongues. And Dave was talking then about how he taught on Sunday here about the Holy Spirit. And some of the, there was two people baptized in the Holy Spirit on Sunday. Yay, hallelujah. And then I, I just, I asked, I asked them, have you ever had um, an experience where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you start groaning and travailing, like crying, wailing, weeping, and you don't even know why you're crying? I, I said, it's happened to me about three times in my life, and I, I call it liquid prayers, where it's just like, I don't even, I'm not sad, but I'm like howling and crying, and you, it's just a Holy Ghost thing. And Ruth says, actually, that happened to me last night um, at about midnight. And um, Dave said it was so intense that he had to shut all the windows and go downstairs and tell the neighbors that no one had died. Um, and, but I was explaining to her that every time that had happened for me, it was the birthing of something new. And we were talking about um, when Elijah was praying for rain for the change of season. The Bible says that he had his head between his knees and he would pray and he'd send his servant, tell me, can you see anything? And he'd come back, nothing, head between his knees. And it was specific. It says he prayed with his head between his knees, which is a strange thing to document. But that position of your head between your knees is a birthing position. And, um, and he, kept, he stayed there until he saw 
the cloud the size of a man's hand and he knew the shift had come, the change in season had come. And I really believe that it's so prophetic that Ruth had that experience. Actually, it was about the same time we were flying in. We landed at quarter past 12 in Darwin um, that night. And uh, that, you know, I really believe the Lord is wanting to prophesy and declare a shift in the season for you and a, a really significant shift. We, there was another word that was um, brought just a couple of days ago about um, when Elijah had run from Jezebel and was in the cave and the Lord came and he fed him with hot bread and just spoke to him in this still small voice. But the strength that he got from that bread enabled him to outrun the chariots. And you know, I really believe that the Lord is also saying that this is a season where he wants to supernaturally feed you and strengthen you because there is coming a supernatural run where there is divine acceleration. And so I, I am very excited for you here in Darwin. I really believe that the Lord is about to put the accelerator down and that he's got things in order, that there's supernatural comfort and strength coming that you're to embrace because the comfort that you receive from the Holy Spirit is what you're going to comfort everyone else with. Hallelujah. But it's also going to empower you for a divine and a supernatural run. Amen. So I was so excited when Ruth told me that. I was like, whoa, this is going to get good. So praise the Lord. Um, but uh, on a, a little bit more serious note, I was um, having dinner with the Magetics uh, tonight. What a beautiful family have <laughs> Sylvia and Rob. And um, Rob told a story that I was just thinking about before um, in his job, he gets to see a lot of things. I'm not going to tell the details, it's okay. <laughs> but, um, and he, he, he wasn't specific, but just my heart was moved to realize the lives that some people lead and how different it is from my life. And, did the, for example, the domestic violence that some people experience. And, my heart just broke thinking about it, what some people walk through and how they live. I've been married for 27 years to a man that's never lifted his fist, he's never hurt me. And yet there are people who have such difficult lives. And when you look at it, you can get a little overwhelmed and think, oh, what can be done? But as I was thinking about what could be done, as my heart was hurting for people, I just thought about this, you know, this is what we can do. I can share with them that which is the most precious thing I have, and that is friendship with God. Because it is the most precious thing I have. And if they've got that, anything is doable. Anything is doable. When you've got friendship with God, and my friendship with God is such that I know that when I'm with him, I am always safe. In his presence, he is my safe place. He will never judge me. He'll never condemn me. He's never angry with me. Every time I come to him, even if I feel like a hypocrite, here I am to worship, feeling like a hypocrite. You know, he's not there saying, oh, you annoy me. He's not looking at me and thinking, you really, you, here you are, you're going to worship me tonight and yet you hardly talk to me for the last few days? Well, hang on, you know, I, 
I don't think we can deal with that. You've hurt my feelings. God's not like humans. He doesn't react to us that way. He's always happy to see me. The truth is, Jesus said that this is what the father's like when he told the story of the prodigal son. The son comes home, having done all the things that Jewish boys shouldn't have done, thinking maybe dad will give me a job because I run out of money. And the father just runs towards him the minute he can see him from a long way off, wraps his arms around him, calls for a party, gives him all his authority and the ring and the robe and his shoes. And The son has, hasn't said anything yet. He hasn't even apologized. And the father's just going over the top. And it breaks the son's heart until he goes, God, I'm not worthy of even being called your son. And the father's like, I love you. You're awesome. I love you. Here you are, my son. It's such a picture of the goodness and kindness of God leading us to repentance. But, you know, sometimes we get a picture that God's like that the first time we get saved. But after that, we should know better. But the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means every single time I come to him to worship, even if my heart condemns me, the Bible says he is greater than my heart. So he's always happy to see me. He's like so extravagantly kind that it is not fair by human standards. But he delights in the forgiveness that his son has purchased for us and the fact that we are approaching him believing he is the son of God and that he has forgiven us. He doesn't remember our sins even if we do. Hallelujah. That's what he's like. So every time I come to, me, come to him, he is happy to see me. The Bible tells us in, John, I mean in Psalm 16, 11, I love Psalm 16, Hallelujah. You like Psalm 16? You like the Bible? It's good stuff. Highly recommended. It says, You will make known to me the path of life. Verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Elsewhere it says that we can drink deeply from the river of his pleasure for us. Ephesians chapter 3 talks about knowing the love of Christ that passes knowledge that we may be filled up to overflowing with all the fullness, that we'd have supernatural strength to comprehend this love that is not comprehensible by human understanding. It's too good for humans to comprehend. We water it down, we change it, we adjust it because it couldn't be that good. It's not fair. Surely there must be some conditions, yet... His love is so extravagant that we need help to be able to comprehend what is incomprehensible. Humans get offended with each other and it takes a little while to re-earn that connection when you hurt someone's heart, right? When you sin against them, you've got to try a little bit harder to, you know, get back in. With God, there is no having to try hard to get back in. He forgave it before you did it. 
and is ready, ready, waiting for you to simply believe that he's better than you feel like you deserve. That's a good word. So that's who God is. And so he's really good company. In fact, God is enjoyable. When I get with him, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of him, afraid that he's going to hurt me, afraid that he's going to reject me. In fact, the Bible says that his perfect love casts out fear. <sighs> I'll read it to you, John. I love the book of John, but this is 1 John. 1 John 4, 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That is not fair. Free gift. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That's really rich, extravagant love. That's what his love is like for us. So then he tells us that this is who you are. You are loved, you are accepted. We come into his presence, we worship him, and he's there going, you're so lovely, you're so lovely, I have so much love for you that you can't comprehend it. So pray for strength because I want to overwhelm your natural senses, I want to so overwhelm you that I want you to be filled with all my fullness. That's what God's like. And then he says, now, with the love that I have for you, with this same love, love everybody else. In fact, he gives us power to do that because now, as he is, so are we. Who is he? The Bible just told us he is love. Love is patience personified, 1 Corinthians 13. It's kindness personified. That's who God is. God is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. As he is, so am I in this world. Therefore, I am patient. I am kind. It's, what, it's his nature. It doesn't, I'm not defined by my performance or how I've measured up or how well I've done. I'm defined by his, the revelation that it's now no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And if I want to walk in the works of God, I've just got to remember what I look like. Because he who looks into, uh, he who wants to be a hearer of the word, and a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, simply has to Remind himself of what his face looks like. We've got to look into the mirror of who God is and remember our true identity. Then as, he, then when, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So this is the teaching you would be well acquainted with. But knowing that then gives us a power to practically apply this in our everyday relationships. I just did a wedding on Saturday. Um, Megan and Roland got married, which was really lovely. And I was thinking about um, what advice I could give to a young married couple. And I, I thought about this and I thought, well, this is, a, this is probably advice that could be used for every relationship we're in. 
whether it be work relationships, family relationships, parent, child, sister, sibling, you know, colleague, customer. In every relationship, God wants us to be to other people what he is to us. That is, he wants us to be enjoyable company. So that when people have an encounter with us, they experience what God is like. So when I'm with the Lord, I feel no judgment, no shame, no criticism. He's not there counting my sins against me. He says he remembers my sins no more. He's not there trying to fix me or correct me. I used to believe that's what God would want to do when I got alone with him. Tell me, God, come on, just cut me deep. Tell me, I can take it. Fix me, clean me. I know I'm a terrible person. Just tell me, Lord, fix me. And he'd come and say, you're kind. I'm like, no, I'm not. I was so unkind. I'm so This is the truth about you. You're so kind. Because as I am, so are you. That's how he is with me. Hallelujah. But I've seen couples... I've been in the back of cars when couples have been married like 30 years are talking to each other and the wife sat her husband criticizing, correcting and it's just become a normal thing. Or the husband at the wife. And I look at that and I think, wow. They stay together because they are obligated to. But I'm pretty sure they're not really enjoying each other's company. And that is because they are not enjoyable company themselves. If you spend a lot of time with someone that wants to continually correct you, you build a wall to protect yourself and you limit your interaction with them or you start to become slightly deaf to them. True? Or if someone's judging you, the reaction is to protect yourself. If you think you're going to change somebody by telling them what they need to know, that you need to, be, you need to fix this and you need to fix this and you need to fix this, they're not likely to change. They're simply likely to build a wall up between you and them. What if in our relationships we started to behave like God. We started to love people like he loved us in a practical way that means we actually become fun to be with. Danny Silk um, wrote a book about loving your kids on purpose. Anyone read that? Loving your kids on purpose? Great book, okay. I wish I'd. I read it when my kids were teenagers. I'm like, I wish I had this when my kids were little. I need Danny Silk like in my my back pocket just to pull out every daddy what should I do <laughs> you know just uh, he's got a lot of wisdom but one of the things he would do with his kids when they would misbehave he'd like you know they're throwing a tantrum he'd like okay go into your room and when you're ready to be fun to be with come on back out and join join us and they'd come out and he'd say, are you, are you going to be fun to be with now? No. Okay, well, you go back and when you're ready to be fun to be with, come on out again. And I thought about this. I thought, well, it doesn't just apply to little kids. (Laughter) 
You know, God is fun to be with. He's lovely company. He's lovely company. He's my best friend. When I get with God, when I talk with God, I am so safe. I don't have to hide anything from him. I don't have to impress him. I can be raw. I can be real. I can tell him everything that's in my heart and my mind. And he loves me extravagantly and is my ever-present help in time of need. And he's the one, the only one who fully, completely understands me and adores me anyway. Hallelujah. But God's looking for us to make other people feel that same place of peace. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So I used to practice this with my son when he would be coming home from school. I started to practice like when he walks through the door at the end of the day. And here's my greeting. I want him to feel the atmosphere of heaven. I want him to feel what I feel when I'm alone with the Lord. I want him to feel that, that much acceptance, that much joy, that much delight. I want him to really, truly believe I am really happy to see him. And so I'd prep myself. Okay, he's coming close. When he comes to the door, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let the love of heaven love on him. And it was a beautiful thing. It's so lovely. But I do that now for when I, we have to go to a function. My husband you know, does, has to go to functions with government people. And so I prep myself. When I meet somebody, instead of just like, hello, how are you? When, my, when I get to say, hello, how are you, and shake their hand, I'm going to believe that I can release the atmosphere of heaven, that there is so much acceptance, so much peace, that my smile and my eyes are going to release who God is to them. And then translating it through into my everyday life, when I'm in a car trip with my husband, I have the choice of being on my phone, and talking about the things that have to happen. But if 90 or 80% of our conversation is just dealing with the things that need to be done, or worse, are corrective, you're not somebody that's fun to be with. God doesn't have 80% of his communication as correction to us. God is not trying to change us by pointing out our sin. So instead, if we intentionally, by faith, started to think, how can I be fun to be with in this moment? By faith, you can start to live differently. Now, my husband's an introvert. My middle daughter's an introvert. I was talking to them about this, and they're like, well, when you say that, Mum, though, make sure you're careful people don't think that you have to be a bubbly extrovert to be fun to be with. And that's true, because if the whole world were extroverts, it'd be a very noisy place. <laughs> and my introverts in my life, they are fun to be with. They're enjoyable company. It's not about being extroverted or loud. It's about being in a position of heart that makes people feel safe, yeah. accepted, 
loved, respected, enjoyed. I believe that, like, even though this is a really little practical little message, the Bible says it's by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If we want to be a church that is salt and light in the city, that people, we want to see people come into relationship with God, we want to help people whose circumstances are so difficult, if we can introduce them to a relationship with God where they understand he is always happy to see me and he is always, if, we, if they could just know the love of God and find connection with him, they've got the richest treasure in all the world. Hallelujah. It's the gift of the gospel that we have to give. Hallelujah. It's called good news. But if we want people to hear good news, we first got to dismantle the idea that Christians are not fun to be with. A lot of people have had experiences with Christians that really are the opposite of fun to be with. They've been like judging, critical, unpleasant. But if they look at our lives and our interactions with people and they feel Jesus, who is the friend of sinners, if they feel and they see when you talk to each other, that's not human, that's divine, that's so sweet. That love is so real and so rich and so pure and so delightful. They'll be very open to hearing what you have to say and about where you get this love from. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I just want to ask you, we're going to pray for some people because we want to do that tonight. But I want to ask you, are you intentionally being fun to be with, with the people in your life? Because it's very easy to fall into a habit of taking people for granted. It's very easy. If you want to see change in someone in your life, might I humbly suggest that the best way forward is not trying to find a correction for them or telling them what you don't like and what needs to change and what they're doing wrong? What if, by being fun to be with yourself and making them feel they are enjoyed, you open their hearts to the Father who wants to be able to love them into a place of wholeness and wellness, who wants to love them into a place where their hearts melt and they say, you have conquered my heart, God. I want to follow you and do whatever you're doing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The fields are wide unto harvest. And I was, we were recently in Glory City, Wandera. Um, She's just opened. It's a farming community and people travel for hours to come to church. But we were talking about the fields are wide unto harvest and they're farmers. They actually do harvest fields. And harvest is a really serious time. But they said, 
When it's harvest time, the fields are golden. So the fields aren't white at, at, when the grain's ripe, they're golden. But after a while, the gold turns to white, and that's when it's really, really ripe. But they said, if your fields have turned white, you've got to hurry, because the next stage is they turn black, and then you can't harvest anymore because it's spoiled. It's easier to harvest, they said, when it's really almost overripe, but you've got to go really fast. Harvest in Australia normally starts in November, but he said if, you ha if, if your fields have gotten to white, it's more like January and you are at the end stage, you've got to hurry. So when the Bible talks about the fields being white to harvest, there's an urgency in God's heart. And when he's saying the laborers are few, you know, in harvesting, in harvesting communities, farming communities, at harvest time, family comes back from all around the, the nation for harvest time. And they just go for it. Like the, everything gets put on hold for a couple of months. There's a sense of urgency about getting that harvest in. I don't want to put a heavy on you, but I want to tell you there is a sense of urgency about this harvest and the key will be love amen thank you jesus i'm going to ask pastor daniel to come and we're going to just pray but father i'm asking holy spirit <laughs> i thank you for the new season i thank you it is a new day i thank you that the fields are ripe unto harvest and I thank you, Lord, that you are releasing hope, 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 hope in such, a in such abundance. But Father, I'm asking, Lord, that, that you would stir our hearts, Father, to connect with you personally in a deeper way, that we would truly come to know you and experience your kindness, your goodness, the joy of your presence every day personally so that we can release the joy of your presence in our everyday relationships as parents as friends as siblings as spouses as sisters as employees and employers lord i'm asking for your help holy spirit to remember what it looks like to be fun to be with that the world might know us by the love that we have for one another and Lord, that they might connect with you and your great love for them. Before we pray, I want to ask you tonight, if you're here and you know in your heart you haven't got relationship with God, he longs for your friendship. The Bible says he was slain for the sins of the whole world, but that does not mean the whole world is saved. Salvation happens when we open our hearts and we receive his offer of forgiveness, of mercy, of salvation, of eternal life. When we open our hearts and say, I need that, I want that, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will believe that he's the Son of God and you will confess, you are God and I need you and I believe that you can save my soul, the Bible says he'll come into your life and make you brand new on the inside, give you a new heart with power to live differently and to love supernaturally.
But it takes an, a choice to go, yes, Lord, I want that. And when you make that choice, all of heaven rejoices and celebrates because they know how much it means to the Father. If that's you today and you say, yeah, I want that. I want to cross that line and say yes to the Father. I want to be, I want to be saved. I want to come into the kingdom. I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'd just love to pray with you before we pray for anybody else tonight. Is anyone here that says, yes, that's me? Hallelujah. I pray that you do take this message, not with condemnation, not with judgment, but with joy and love and humility because there is a world waiting and longing to see, to hear this message. And I tell you, the Father is more willing to help you than you could ever understand. Hallelujah.